Join us for a virtual journey as I travel with the founders of Kiosk to the crowded streets of India, a smoky sauna in Finland, and a coffee plantation in Nicaragua in search of beautiful everyday objects and insights. This fascinating pair of artists share how they use their shop and exhibitions to tell stories, build community, and hopefully make the world a better place. Welcome to the Taranga Tribune, where the Senegalese concept of welcoming all people with openness and generosity guides our exploration of the world. I am Micah Reinch Sinclair, world traveler, digital nomad, development worker, and world schooling parent of three young global citizens. Taranga Tribune Travel Talks bring the world to you so that you can explore, learn, and engage with fascinating people and places all around the globe from wherever you are. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with two treasure-hunting artist entrepreneurs who roam the world in search of simple, everyday objects that have a unique beauty, purpose, and story. Alisa Griffo and Marco Terharamani are the founders of Kiosk. Welcome to Taranga Tribune Travel Talks, Alisa and Marco. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. So, Marco and Alisa... Kiosk was launched in New York City in 2005 and has been featured over the years in many magazines, the New York Times, Vogue, New Yorker, Monocle, Time Out, GQ, and even Japanese Esquire, among many others. Um, And I personally learned of Kiosk around, I think, 2010, when you had your shop in Soho in New York, and a friend of mine spied a set of really interesting stainless steel ice cream spoons shaped like little paddles that she sent mm. me as a gift. Do you remember those? Yeah, absolutely. I felt that um, everyone in the world should learn about Kofi because I had been in India and liked it so much. Yes. So I thought, well, I can't bring it back. So, yeah, so the ice cream spoons were, the Kofi <laughs> spoons were exactly. the perfect yeah. answer. I love Kofi yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so in 2016, MoMA PS1 hosted a kiosk exhibition that was featured in Fast Company. And I loved how they described it. So I'll quote, your exhibition was described as nothing short of a globe-trotting show-and-tell of the world's most unexpectedly inspiring objects. And um, I, I think that's such a great way to describe what I appreciate about Kiosk. And a few years ago, I was really happy to get to meet you kind of just on a a spur of a a moment trip in person in your exhibition space in a Le Corbusier building in downtown Marseille in France. Mm -hmm. So I find kiosk to be this intriguing amalgam of art gallery, online shop, and maybe even way of life. But as the founders and creators, tell us how do you describe kiosk and what you do? Well, you should know that we both probably, we describe it very differently when people ask us this. So like kiosk is an art practice 
for both of us, no matter what Marco says, because he refuses to accept the fact <laughs> that he's an artist. But it is, and it's a way, a creative outlet, you could say. So, I mean, since it's this very personal creative outlet, of course, we have different views on what it is. And, and um, although we cooperate together, we come at it from very different places. So I come from a background that has largely been devoted to uh, set design and working with objects in some way, shape or form. So for me, kiosk is uh, about the objects and it's also about travel um, and it's about telling about a travel experience through the objects. And um, the store aspect, which is a large part of what we do, came about really just to fund that practice of storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so, th And that, that kind of sums up my contribution to the project in a way, the way I describe it. I mean, of course, there's many more parts, but that's my very interest. But Marco, maybe you have a... <laughs> yeah. um, well, for me, it was never a choice. It was more... Um, in the start, I just had to kind of help out with this crazy store idea. and I, I was not at all interested in, in, in making a store, a boutique. and uh, oh. Or objects, necessarily. Or objects, necessarily. In that way. You know. um, I've always liked objects, but I, I couldn't really devote my, my life to something like that. But um, <laughs> over, over time, it... Uh, it kind of became apparent that the interaction with people was really, really important and the, the feel of this space. And I mean, to be honest, from the very beginning, we, we did want to create some sort of store that was the type that we like to go to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, a place. Right. It yeah. didn't have to be a store. And it needed, we really wanted it to be inspiring. We wanted to inspire people and, and be inspired ourselves by inspiring people. Mm -hmm. um, and by the people that came in. So the community. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we come at it from different directions, but definitely the one thing that really unites us is creating something that is very community oriented, bringing people together, kind of getting people to open their eyes up to what's around them whether that's a thing or a person or a place um that yeah and creating that experience and showing people things and writing about the objects and telling the stories is the way that we do that yeah i love that and that is exactly you're really getting at something that is so important to me and that uh, spurred me to want to mm. talk with you um, on Taranga, Taranga Tribune Travel Talks because I think that that idea of exploring the world, whether near or far, through stories, um, through objects, through community, is so compelling. And then also bringing those stories and experiences back to to others and exchanging on them is just it's a really rich opportunity yeah i think that um we tell like we meaning not just marco and me but all of us we if you tell your own story it opens people up to talking about theirs and um 
And then you get a dialogue going and you get communication. And that's super important, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, it really opens people up to other perspectives. Um, So I really love the way you seem to fully immerse yourselves in the sights, the sounds, the tastes and textures of places you travel. And I think that there's real poetry in the way you select the artifacts that you do and the stories that you present them with um, at Kiosk. And maybe I should just point out briefly that Kiosk has been uh, a physical store at times and a pop-up store at other times and also is a store that's online. Um, It's been a variety of things, right? Um, But I think this immersion in, in a place and then and then coming back with stories and objects to tell about it is one of the things I find so interesting. And so we talked about the Kulfi spoons. And it, also in India, several years ago, I I saw in your um, exhibition space online that you picked up a stock of simple steel bike bells. And I thought that the story behind that was really cool. Yeah. Um, you, you said that it was about your experience on Indian streets. Yeah. Kind of the constant ringing that's around you from the, not so much bicycles, but rickshaws, you know, so, but some bicycles, but yeah. And, um, I didn't want to lose that sound basically. So I brought it back and, and I mean, in that way, that sound brought us together and I don't know how many other people into this project in a way, when they hear that sound, they have this association, which hopefully is pleasant. But, um, you know, that's to me, that's um, in, in showing that object and talking about it and helping people kind of recall an association they have with it, like it's not so much about selling them a bell at all or even though I think it's a beautiful bell and it has a really nice sound but the primary point is to open them up to something or to to recall something you know however you want to describe it to to give a dynamic input yeah and um but I can tell you if the bell was ugly or had a terrible sound (laughs) I wouldn't be interested in it. <laughs> right. Sorry. That's where we differ. Yeah, right? that's where we differ yeah. because Marco doesn't place as much importance on the aesthetics as I do. So. Well, I, can, I mm. do as well, but I, I also like to have something ugly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do, so what's an example? Can you share an example of something ugly that you've picked up, Marco? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was like the toy submarine that was... Uh, not a beautiful thing at all, really. I mean, it's a it's a weapon of war, really. Mm-hmm. It's a little plastic toy submarine that you could have in your bath. And you put baking soda in yeah. it. Oh, and it, right. It, yeah. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, actually, I think that my mother picked one of those up for our children. I remember playing with that in the bathroom. Nice. <laughs> nice. Where, so, yeah, I don't think it's ugly. I actually think it's aesthetically pleasing but yeah uh-huh. yeah sure but it has a there is a slight dark undertone to mm-hmm. it too mm-hmm. and I, True. I, uh, I do not shy away from that and i i uh, 
almost deliberately like to have a few things that has some dark undertones too, mm -hmm. but they still create this association and still reminds people that, that things connect you to your memories. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Well, you... On your on your online shop right now, I saw last week that you have a dustpan from China with what you rightfully, I think, describe as sexy curves. Um, and then you recently put together some really unique sets of beautiful and interesting photographs, vintage photographs that give a window into other people's lives, like the series in 1960s Florida. Um, and and to me, that was almost like a a, tra a trip back in time to a rarefied time. Mm. Um, but I think, as you pointed out, the storytelling of kiosk is so central to what you do. I would like to know a little bit more about your process, especially because you're coming from these different perspectives and angles. The two of you, what's your process in seeking out these? objects and maybe you can share a story from behind the scenes at kiosk hmm yeah so the process is both of us separately mostly will start looking into the place we're going to and and i can say for myself that means i start learning as much as i can about all aspects of the culture whether that's food or literature uh, contemporary and historical. Um, I read whether it's a travel story from 1930 or it's a lonely planet guide, you know, from last year. Um, I just, and then I start talking to people. I ask everyone I know that I feel comfortable asking, maybe even our whole email list, like, Hey, we're going to the Netherlands. Is anyone from there? Do you have any suggestions? Um, do you have a contact there? Um, you know, and I start talking and, and people generally, this is another way that we engage because they, they like to maybe talk about, yeah, their home or the things from their home or, you know, because it, it can be anything from a weird, small, offbeat museum to, you know, um, a uh, orange juicer. You know, so it's it's, it's kind of any anything goes. I can say, uh -huh. for instance, we went to oh, what was that museum uh -huh. up in um in that place? We found this emergency ladder that um came in a box and was like a chain ladder that you throw out the window and is anchored. And I really wanted to have that in the store. And, and because mm -hmm. I found it so unique and I was able, and I would also be able to talk about that place, which probably because I didn't order the ladder because it was kind of a folly for us. And, and, and I didn't um, write about uh -huh. the place. Now I can't remember whose home it was. We can be, in um, like a pastry shop in Portugal, I remember finding the red sugar bowl for the first time. Oh, uh-huh. Same time, a person who we were con con connected to in Portugal had that on her list. Uh -huh. So it's these little flags start going up where things start to repeat and start to be found and reveal themselves. And... Um, <laughs> 
yeah, it just yeah. kind of it starts to happen. I mean, I'm always I'm always interested in the objects and Marco. Um, I, I look at. I mean, I go through the CIA effect book. I, I look at Chamber of Commerces very often. Mm-hmm. Mm. I try to figure out like what kind of industry is in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, often try to read up on it. Could be political failures, whatever in the history. Uh huh. Darker stuff. Yeah, he looks. So yeah. Good. But yeah. speaking of darker but, stuff, yeah. yeah. You insisted we go to the smoke sauna in Finland. Oh, yes. Yeah, which was very dark and <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and Liter- so- this is literally dark and hopefully yeah. not, oh, it is. not yeah. figuratively. Big, built, big structure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really old at this sauna museum where they fire it up once a week. Yeah. And, and we happened to be going there, like by there. And I said, you know, sauna museum, that sounds really cool. And then we decided to go check out the smoke sauna, and we had a smoke sauna, and it was amazing. So, it's, but we it's didn't. It's not smoky when you go uh-huh. in. They heat it up with smoke. It's very, very specific. Heavy, it's heavy smoky. smoke smell. Does, heavy tar. Is it a tar, is it a wood smoke smell or what? Yeah, yeah. tar smoke, wood structure. They basically they basically burn the fire without a chimney. So okay. Uh-huh. Fill this room with smoke for several hours. Yeah. Then then they evacuate the smoke and you go in and have a sauna and it's just divine. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So what did you bring back from there? Did you find something to represent that? Well, we definitely had tar soap. Oh, <laughs> tar uh-huh. shampoo. Yeah, tar shampoo. Uh-huh. Tar shampoo. So uh, very cool. at the same time, People had said, you've got to try this tar shampoo. And we were like, okay. So, and Marco is from Sweden, so he knew about tar and the smell and da da da. But when we, and I did not. And when we smelled it, it was like, oh, that's the smoke sauna. Yeah. That's how it smelled in there. Like, of course, like oh, I want to use perfect. the shampoo because mm-hmm. then I'm going to remember it forever, whatever, however long. Yeah, yeah. This the senses are a trigger. So the memory of the smell. Now even today we smell the tar. Yeah. And we uh-huh. visited someone who at their dock, and I thought of that shampoo, and I thought of that sauna. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they say that smell is the quickest route to memory. I right. think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And tar falls into this kind of horrible smell that somehow just like oh, it's not gets horrible. under your skin and you love it. It's I really love it. Like it's, it's distinctive yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. definitely. But I mean, this is right. what I'm talking about. This is how we use the objects. This is how we, it's, it's, there are triggers or they create a recall or they give a fascination. They serve, the, mm-hmm. they, they enable the storytelling. They serve a purpose in that way. Um, not in the way like, oh, we've got a cool assortment, bye, bye, bye. You know, this is a different angle. Right, Mm. absolutely. And I really like the way you put it when you said that that the objects reveal themselves. Yeah. Um, I know in our experience, our family has traveled around the world with our children as a a way to educate Mm -hmm. them. And... I know the experience of kind of picking a theme and going down that path and that so many new and unexpected experiences 
sort of reveal themselves. Mm. And Marco, you were saying that you do research on industry and the CIA fact book and, and such. And it was reminding me of um, when we were in Nicaragua mm. and found ourselves in coffee country um, with three kids that I was world schooling with my husband, I decided to research coffee and find out all the ways that we could learn and explore coffee in that region. And it led us to spend time on an an organic coffee farm and learn about um, organic farming of of coffee and and help pick the beans and process them. Um, And it led us downtown to the transportation area where they would pack up the coffee for Uh export. And it led us to places um, in the city where they would sell the coffee for, for local consumption. So it, it, that sort of theme, um, you know, having a, a a mission or a a quest in your travels does reveal so much. It does, and certain people mm-hmm. like to travel that way, and, you know, you and we and whoever else, you know, like, that's how I thrive, like, through the life experiences, and I want to be able to share that with people to either give them the view if they can't go themselves or so that they feel motivated. So, um, Alisa, you mentioned sharing views and experiences with people and inspiring them, although not necessarily inspiring them to travel per se. And you and I were talking the other day about how we've both been diehard travelers, but are now making efforts to curb our travel somewhat. Since travel has been so central to Kiosk up until recent years at least, I'd like to hear what has spurred the two of you to take a second look at that, and how you're continuing with the Kiosk mission and vision while reducing your travel. It, well, for many years before we, um, before the pandemic, you know, I felt like it actually was in 2016 when we finished our show at PS1, showing our what was then our archive um, of all mm-hmm. the objects we had found. Um, I thought to myself, um, you know, the environment and nature is always my priority above all else. Well, besides mm-hmm. my husband, no, <laughs> but you know, Thank above you. anything that is produced, <laughs> any object, anything, I mean, the planet is most important. And, mm-hmm. and I just realized I couldn't do what I did anymore in good conscience. I couldn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't only taking the trips because obviously there's all this residue and this this effect that comes when you take a trip that it it like for what we've just been describing which is really mm-hmm. positive but it also um it was just this the shipping of the goods and the sending of the small quantities because we are mm-hmm. a small operation and um and different manufacturing practices that when you're dealing with more everyday very common objects they've been around so usually their manufacturing is is kind of from an earlier time you know it's not progressive and i just felt as much as i want to support those um, independent factories and those makers um i also really want to work put my hard Mm -hmm. work towards the future and for me the future can't be about 
living with objects from the past as much as we do. So you're saying that despite the value of the travel, you're concerned about its environmental impacts, not only because of carbon emissions from the travel itself, but also the impacts of shipping goods around the world and the pollution associated with certain manufacturing practices. So what I'm hearing is that all of this has led Kiosk to reevaluate and reimagine itself. I, you know, it was many levels that I felt we needed, even back then, that we needed to scale back on travel. And then with the pandemic, obviously, we were forced to stop. And then this has given a whole new perspective on what travel is. But I also... I didn't want to do this project to encourage people to get on an airplane or to go on some big trip. I wanted to to encourage them to just walk outside. And I said this many times, go outside their office door, their back door, their whatever, their garage and open their eyes to what beauty is there. Because I really feel like you can, you can just in, whether you're in a city or the country or side or up a mountain, there's, so much amazing just there's just so much to amaze you at all times and um now i believe that more than ever because i haven't been traveling and i've i miss it of course but environment the environment comes first so yeah right that that really resonates with me because um the we we've been concerned about the sustainability of of our lifestyle as digital nomads mm. um partly because of privilege just feeling like we've had this amazing opportunity to travel around the world and educate our kids mm. um through these incredible experiences on the road but that's not a viable option for a lot of people okay. and and even if it were as you say that would have a an impact on the earth that is just untenable. Mm -hmm. And so we also started thinking about how to, to slow down, go closer, look more, um, for opportunities near us. Um, and I think that there's a momentum and an excitement when you're traveling that, that I love because it keeps you attuned to what's around you Mm -hmm. in the environment. I mean, it just, it forces you because uh, especially going to places that are very different um, it from what you're familiar with, it forces you to notice everything. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a chance to step outside your door. And right away there, there might be a flower that you have never, you've literally never seen in your life right Mm -hmm. there on the curb. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as we, as our family tried to slow down also before the pandemic, we started looking for ways that we could keep that momentum and excitement, Mm -hmm. that sort of, that attention that you have when you're traveling Mm -hmm. alive. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the way you describe your stories and your interest in inspiring people, because I think it's it's partly that it's inspiring people to look more closely or to think more about these maybe everyday objects or things that they see regularly around them. Mm-hmm. The small stuff. The small stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And of course yeah. the pandemic, I think forced everybody around the world um, to, to do that more. Um, we've all had to really narrow our scope to what was right around us during confinement and such, right. but um yeah. I mean, it's really 
if one is in U, the US, of course, one should go down to the local hardware store. Even if it is now a chain, there's so much interesting stuff that you don't even think about. And even even when you're going to Dwayne Reed, Reed and... Uh, Mm-hmm. Yes, circus, Pe- peanut circus butter cups or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, this is the stuff that you know foreigners would bring back and be like, "This is fantastic." Yeah, right. We had friends a, do yeah. that. We were like, yeah. well, like okay. some Reese's butternut cups that sits on the shelf for yeah you know, five years and goes bad, but uh, <laughs> it's memories. It's fantastic stuff, and. Uh, yeah. Um, and we're going to be going back to the U.S. for the first time in three years this summer. And and we'll have that reverse culture shock that I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with that I also love. There's that window of time when you first land back in your own country where everything looks different and, and yeah. you notice everything the way you do when you're traveling. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a really good point and something we should really consider when we're going to New York in a week or so. Well, yeah, I am. You are, okay. <laughs> That's actually really, really good. Yeah, point. Yeah. I yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm interested to see what you're going to do. Martha. Yeah, I'm interested <laughs> to see what we notice too. Yeah. Well, and I think this thread of of kiosk not just being about travel or art or shopping or objects, but also a sense of wanting to make the world a better place is is really really interesting and um, I'm curious to see how you all will put that more into action in your next phase I don't know if you can preview that yet for me I can say there's always been this call to try to improve in my mind um, the world to make it a better place and hopefully what we did with kiosk you know this the a lot of the initial mission was to change like what people were buying, how they were consuming, asking them to consider what they were consuming by their, you know, via their, you could say, learning about what they were purchasing, you know? So, so in, in my mind, yes, what we've done so far has been very much is, is to change uh, in whatever way we could and small or large, there wasn't any expectation, but to change how retail operates and how people you know consume so it's a little less blind and i think we did that and we're a little bit removed from that now because we haven't had a physical shop for some time and we don't sell Mm -hmm. so many different objects Mm -hmm. now um and it's less in my mind about consumption and but where it's going isn't entirely for me, determined, and we have a bunch of different directions. Kiosk is never going to disappear. It's like it's part of the our both of our practice now, in my mind, mm-hmm. and um, so it's just going to take different form. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm confident that the form it'll take will be as full of heart and stories and. Um, and passion as it has been up till now. So I'm interested to to see where where you head next. Oh, that's um, nice. Hopefully, it's fun too. I, well, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try yeah. to make even the digital a little bit more fun, but, and I have a few ideas. But 
we'll see. Yeah, so maybe that yeah. comes next. Yeah. Marco working on the dig- our digital site to make it more enjoyable because both of us, you know, miss the physical and that interaction. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, so speaking of reducing consumption and our collective impact on the environment, I always enjoy your inspiring and wonderfully quirky email missives uh, Mm -hmm. from kiosk and last year one of my favorite christmas gifts was the gift of sentences from kiosk that my mother ordered for me from you um and i i think it's such a novel and inspiring way to share your talent for meaningful reflection and the creation of art from the mundane um if you will so I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask if you can give us a couple of sentences, if you'd like to share a couple of sentences with the Taranga Tribune audience. Um, yeah, I do. Um, so <laughs> what do you I'll want? Go. Do you no, want to go first? Or? No, you should do it. I'll go have a glass of wine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I I mean I I was looking at them actually um yeah and I uh there was one that I feel like it really summed up actually it sums up the question of what comes next and how it will how what form this project takes and and um so I'll I'll read this one it's a few sentences long um uh so I have a maze toy on my desk. It's a circular maze with five balls. The goal is to get the balls into the center. Looking at it, I realize, my God, that's my current life. Many balls in the air, all circling around and around. Time to get at least one ball into the center. I'd like to try to fit all five in, but is there room for all? Ah. That, that's yes. kind of the current dilemma, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Yes, for all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Elisa and Marco. This has been Thank great. you. This thank has you been so it. much fun. Thank you. It's been a genuine pleasure talking with you, and I wish you every success in your ongoing practice and all of your current projects at Kiosk. I'd also like to express my thanks to our listeners today. I hope that this episode of Taranga Tribune Travel Talks has given you new food for thought in your discovery and appreciation of the world, of found objects, and of our fellow humans around the globe. I invite you to visit Kiosk Online at kioskkiosk.com. That's kiosk two times, K-I-O-S-K-K-I-O-S-K, to take in more of Marco and Elisa's inspiring work. And I hope that you'll subscribe to the Taranga Tribune for more travel and world schooling inspiration.